The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lectures, part of the Science of Pokemon. I am Veteran Lucas, and if you are just tuning in, I am still in Japan. <laughs> yes, no, for those who have just picked up, like, wait, who's this guy? Um, I'm Veteran Lucas. I work with the Science of Pokemon. We were all one big happy team family until Lucas needed to go get himself a job in Japan. So right now, I am currently living in Japan, and while the boys take care of the major stuff because they're the best and I love them so much, I'm going to be taking care of these little mini episodes helps get the creative juices flowing now i am here in japan so quick update japan is still awesome food is cheap everyone's really nice but there's still a pandemic going on so i haven't gotten the chance to explore but the sweets are bomb the chicken is better than the south and i know that sounds like sacrilege but like somehow they use garlic as batter and it, it, it's weird like their chicken is like amazing it tastes crisp it stays crisp for like over out several hours in the fridge still. It's insanity. It's amazing. I'm sorry. I'm getting off on it. Right. Yeah, school's still suspended for them. Businesses are closing up for a little bit. It's the same all over. So please stay safe. Listen to scientists. We'll get through this together. And this is, if you're listening to this way after all this has gone and passed, which it eventually will, enjoy this little time capsule. <laughs> now, if you've read the title of this episode, How to Train Your Dragonite, I wanted you guys to, um, I want you to think for me, think of a Pokemon that you would like to be real and that it would live with you. I asked this on Twitter and Facebook about a week ago. I wanted to see some of your results. So I'm going to give you like three seconds to think of a Pokemon that you would have in the real world with you, just one, and it has to live with you. Okay. Do you have it in your head? Now, some of you might've caught that last bit. That Pokemon has to live with you. No Pokeballs, it, you have to give it its space, food, and training. Now, let's add something else to that. Let's make it so that it can only understand its own kind and really can't understand any other Pokemon or people. And you may be thinking, well, that's that's not really fair. Then it's then that, that's going to be way harder. Welcome to Animal Training 101. This episode is going to be teaching you a little bit about animal training, a little bit how you would actually go about training a real-life Pokemon. And some of these tips and tricks were picked up that can help with real-world animals as well. So hopefully you guys can either use some of this on your dog or your horse, or if you're a zookeeper, you might think, hey, I've heard of this sort of thing before. Yeah, we do this all the time. I want you guys to get a chance to learn a bit from training from someone who's actually worked in a facility like that. Now, starting off, I am not an animal trainer. I'm not. I worked near animal trainers. I worked with a lot of them. And I spoke with a lot of sources to get this stuff done. I actually did a talk very similar to this in DragonCon and MetroCon in 2019. And so I had to talk with some people from both Florida and Georgia who knew a lot about animal training. So shout out to my boy Brett, uh, Sam, and Xander. Uh, all these people were really, really helpful for me getting me a lot of this information. Some of them are animal trainers in really important facilities, and I'm so glad they could help me out. So before we begin any further, you have to ask yourself one thing about your Pokemon. Is it domesticated or is it tame? Now, domesticated animals 
The definition of a domesticated animal is it's been adapted over time from a wild or natural state to life in close association with and to benefit humans. So that means that if your animal is some kind of dog, like if you're thinking one of the legendary dogs from Sword and Shield, if you're thinking of a Growlithe, if you're thinking of a, a Mudsdale, a Miltank, a Houndoom, a Torchic, a Scorbunny, uh, these would all classify as domesticated animals. These were animals that people spent a long time making sure that they would either not run away as quickly or would not try and kill us. My least favorite sentence to hear about dogs is people saying, oh my god, what did we ever do to deserve dogs? The answer is, we poked them and fed them until they stopped biting us for thousands of years until we finally got some bread that felt less like killing us and more like getting belly rubs. That took a while. There were cavemen who lost their fingers for you to have that Pomeranian, so be grateful. They worked really hard for you to get the chance to ruin the hunting dog they worked so hard to cultivate. Every other Pokemon that you're dealing with would fall under the restriction of, of tamed. So they have a reduced state of native wildness. And so that reduced state means that while they're certainly going to be less likely to rip your, rip your arm off, they can still rip your arm off. So if you've heard the controversy about uh, Tiger Kings and everything and people getting in close proximity with animals, tigers are never domesticated. Ever. You would have to spend hundreds of thousands of years like putting them in and domesticating them. The only big cats that have ever been even slightly domesticated were cheetahs by the Egyptians for hunting. But no, they are not domesticated. Please don't go touching tigers. It's a whole thing for me. I'm not even going to get any further into it. It's a thing. So knowing this audience, I know that some of you would pick something pretty strong and pretty terrifying. But as my mother always said, and your mother too, safety first. We have to make sure we are safe before we do anything. One of you, when I suggested this question, picked Zamazenta, you know, the legendary dog Pokemon, and you wanted to just, like, throw it at it. You just wanted to have this legendary dog. So Zacian or Zamazenta, you want to have either of those dogs with you, these world-ending, alien-destroying monster dogs that if you make them mad, they literally have a sword or shield to beat the snot out of you with? Or, better yet, uh, anyone who picked a Tyranitar that's just going to be destroying towns and villages. Or, like, a Gengar that likes to literally feed on souls. There's a lot to worry about with t dealing with an animal. In the real world, that's a problem, too. You're working with animals that are bigger than you, stronger than you, and faster than you. In some cases, they're almost as intelligent as you when dealing with primates. So you have to be safe before you do anything. So if you're working with an animal... You always got to get the right stuff first. You get them a habitat that they can live in comfortably. You give them a nice big space or little space, depending on the animal. Octopuses don't like big spaces, so you give them a little space. Horses, you got to make sure you have a place for them to run, so you give them the space they need. You never assume that the space is the same for everything. Uh, make sure you have food and handling gear. You're also going to want to make sure you have your gates and everything affixed because, to use another example, someone put having a lanoon. Having a lanoon around to dig up berries and help with gardening, great idea. You're going to have to teach it to do that stuff. But keep in mind, at first when you have this thing, its normal behavior is to run in a straight line at about 50 miles an hour. What's going to happen the second you open that gate with a bucket of food? It is going to bum rush you, break all your ribs, and then you're going to have to be in the hospital. So you're going to have to make sure that you have all the right equipment ready to go. Uh, so you're going to want to get a double 
nope, triple fence system to deal with that little torpedo of murder and fur. You're also going to want to get some band-aids and medical equipment for yourself. If you're dealing with a poison type, you're going to want to get some anti-venoms or some kind of um, base to neutralize the acids that they're going to be spitting at you. Uh, you're also going to want to really do your research on what you're working with because keep in mind that some animals, their temperament changes based on the breeding season, especially with mammals and birds. Your bird might be super nice at one day, but then it just loses its mind the second it's deciding, oh, well, I've reached maturity now. Time to lose everything and just start breaking things like primates have this problem in spades. So keep that in mind. You always want to be safe when you're working with your Pokemon. Oh, uh, and for those of you who picked ghost types, um, you don't really have to worry about having a vet or anything. I don't know if you failed before this or if this is a success. I don't know if you have a ghost type like that. That I really don't know. <laughs> All right. So the next step is um, very important, and that is trust. You have to be able to walk into the habitat of this Pokemon and make sure that it knows you ain't going to kill it. People hate it when I say this, but animals don't like hugs. They they hate them normally. We bred dogs to like us, and even they don't like hugs all the time. Some of them feel like they're being smothered by us. So it's important to understand that you're gonna you can't just go up to it and try and feed it love. That's how you are going to be feeding yourself to that Ursaring. So you're gonna have to try and find a way to make it trust you. Luckily, there are ways to do that. If you just start hanging out with it you start to build up that trust like, oh, he's not trying to kill me. You also want to make sure that you don't become too lenient because with some of these Pokemon, you don't want to become the beta and it be the alpha because that can be a big problem in the real world as well as in the Pokemon world. So be around it when it's feeding, be around it when you're helping to clean it up, be around when you're trying anything positive. Make sure you're around it for that. Make sure it knows that you are not going to hurt it. Make sure you give it some sort of affection that it can tolerate. Next up is step three. My favorite, the third step with dealing with these animals is to make sure you give them the right motivation. If you're going to train them, you're going to need something that's called enrichment. You are going to need something extra to make them, you know, happy, to make them want to do what you want them to do. Something different from their daily lives. Now, enrichment can be anything. When I think motivation, most people, it's food. You get out of bed every day to go to work or food, or you get out of bed every day just to go hunt. It's the same for everything. You have to eat. So finding a food that they like is an excellent motivator. I remember when I was a kid, my mom motivated me and trained me to do chores by telling me, Lucas, we're making banana boats, which were like bananas covered in chocolate and like marshmallows. They were super easy for her, but I loved them. And so it was a great training tool for me as a child. Now, the other cool thing you can think about is enrichment. It's not just food. If you have a pet lizard at home, changing up its habitat, changing the pellet, changing the structures, that can be a really good source of enrichment for it. Now, let's use let's go back to Pokemon. Does anyone remember what Pikachu's favorite food is? I'm just imagining someone in their car, like an essential worker driving to work, just screaming, ketchup, it's ketchup. And it is. Pikachu loves ketchup. So every time Pikachu doesn't electrocute you and instead electrocutes the Pokemon that you're supposed to be fighting against or, you know, charges the battery of your phone without blowing it up. Give him some ketchup. Reward him for his good behavior. That's great motivation. But you can get even more creative about it. Think about it from a Pokemon standpoint. How about fighting types? Did any of you pick fighting types? Because if you did, keep in mind, they really only respect things that can fight on equal terms with them. That's why B is such a great fighting type trainer in Pokemon Sword and Seal. She can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Machamp. What can you do? 
Because take Pangora, for example. Pangora only respects strength. And what really makes it happy is fighting and showing off how strong it is. Which means that if you want to give him extra motivation for not destroying your house, you're going to have to get in this ring and you're going to have to spar with this thing. So you might want to get in shape. As for psychic types, keep in mind, you don't. it doesn't have to be physical or food. It could be brain food. Give them puzzles. Give them math. Give Alakazam more spoons to go after. You can give them things that help. Uh, we do brain puzzles for animals all the time. Ravens and crows are incredibly intelligent. Here in Japan, you see them literally go by the 7-Elevens, wait for you to be distracted, and take your food right out of the bag and fly away. So they're like raccoons, but that can fly. It's amazing. These animals are the same as the Pokemon. You're going to have to give them something a little bit extra to get them properly motivated. Now, let's get to the actual training. So when you're training an organism, you're going to want to remember one very important rule, the most important thing I can tell you to do, and that is positive reinforcement. You are going to reward good behavior and ignore bad behavior. I cannot stand it when someone starts yanking their dog around or rubbing their face and poo when they poop in the house. That's not really helping. It may look like it is, but you're better than that. You're smarter than that, and you have to be patient with them. These are organisms that you have to care for. You can't just make them scared of you goes the same with children, in my opinion. Now, for the sake of simplicity, let's say that the Pokemon all have the relative intelligence of uh, sea lions. Sea lions, very smart, very capable of doing multiple tasks, and most importantly of all, many of them almost love, they like being rewarded for that behavior. So it's a really good baseline for most Pokemon. Now, there is a cheat to this next part, uh, and I'll get that cheat out in the end. But um, let's say for now that you're going to have to train, oh, I don't know, a Growlithe. Let's say you have to train a Growlithe to sit. Now, it can't understand you, and you're going to have to try and do something. Now, a couple of things you can understand is that if it's as smart as a dog or a sea lion, if as long as you just wait for it to do the behavior and reward it, then it's going to start associating it. Like, if your Growlithe just sits randomly give it a cookie and then it just every time you sits give it a cookie say sit and then just repeat that over and over and over again repetition is the key if you keep repeating the behaviors you are going to get some really cool results now if pokemon's case let's try this again let's try with the charmander your charmander is told to burn down a target like a specific uh wooden log Charmander fires, hits the log, gives some charcoal to chew on, give it affection, great job. If it doesn't, let's say it hits another target, let's say it burns your house or your yard in a little bit, keep in mind, you ignore that behavior. You don't get angry and abandon it on a log for some random 10-year-old to find in the rain. You just ignore it, move forward. You always have to be patient. You are the dominant one. You are going to have to have that patience to move with it. So your Pokemon will learn how to work with you. And as it trusts you already, it's going to follow, and it might even start copying you. Sea lions actually will copy behaviors from other animals and from just watching other sea lions. So if they see another sea lion getting rewarded for following the rules or like just doing something, it'll try mimicking that to get the food as well. Now, we use this in our daily lives with dogs and horses, but in zoos and aquariums, they've done some crazy cool stuff. Otters are some of the toughest animals to work with. I have personally met people who tell otters to hold still, open their mouth. They even taught the otters how to take eye drops. These are animals that are tough enough to rip through fingers and bones if they want to, and yet they are begging to just like, oh, make me do a trick. Let me just stand up. 
Now, I use the word trick right now, and I really shouldn't have because they're not tricks. They're behaviors. We're not trying to do this for its fun. We're doing it for medical purposes. Uh, for giraffes, we teach them how to go up on scales to have them wait. So we teach them to walk over, stand on the scale, and hold still, and then they get a treat. In the military, we've done it for dolphins. We've trained dolphins to go after mines. We've even taught bees to go after landmines as well. So we've actually taught animals to do some crazy cool stuff. Now, with the right repetition and reinforcement, you can even do it to humans. Let me give you, uh, let me give you guys a little example. <clears throat> Sweet Caroline. A bunch of you just went bop, bop, bop right now, didn't you? Let me try this again. Red Robin. A bunch of my Americans just went like, just did that. For those of you from overseas, like that's a catchy commercial. But... You guys just realized something like you've been conditioned all the time when you sang Sweet Caroline and everyone just went ba ba ba. That part is so fun because you were rewarded for your behavior. People are like you're part of the group. That's a good feeling. That feeling of being part of something is a great motivator. That's what advertisement uses. If Matt were here, he'd explain the economics of like getting people to attach on to a company or a jingle. Like, even if I mention like commercials, like just my brand, turning them into jokes and making people laugh with the joke is the reinforcement. It's amazing to think of the stuff you can do and think about it from a Pokemon standpoint. All those Pokemon trainers kind of had it easy with them having to listen and like understand like they're like, oh, you can just meet a Tyranitar and tell it that you're not going to hurt it and give it some berries. No, in, in reality, it would be really, really hard. So your favorite Pokemon might not be easy to train, but the cool thing is it's still possible. If Pokemon were real, it would be really cool to see how all of you would train them because I'm pretty sure most of you wouldn't train it to fight. Some of you said they'd use it for gardening. Others would use it for home defense. For me, it's a Golurk. I'd use it to rob banks. I'm different. I apologize. But still, I'd have to train it. Now, there is a cheat. Pokemon did accidentally build in a cheat. Any Pokemon that has the ability telepathy can be a really great idea because if you think about it, if it uses telepathy, you could think one thought to it and then it plays a game of telephone to the other Pokemon. So that means you literally don't have to do any of this. You could literally just say, hey, Gardevoir, can you tell him to sit and I'll give him a cookie? Thanks, Gardevoir. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. As long as you have a psychic type with telepathy, you can pretty much do whatever you want. So that was the cheat code that kind of would have made this episode last about five minutes. But hey, it's still a lot of fun. If you have any more questions about this, I'm always listening on Facebook. And if you're up in the middle of the night, that means I'm up during the day. So please feel free to let us know. If you have any other specific Pokemon wants you want us to talk about, we're always on Facebook. Pokescience at Yahoo.com is still active. Please email us if you don't want it to be too personal. We like hearing what you guys have to say. It's it's fun. Again, these are hard times. Everyone's struggling a bit. If I can make your day a little bit better with teaching you about how to train Pokemon, I, I feel that I've done something through all of this, even if I'm a million miles away from all the people that I knew about. So, hey, thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Please enjoy the other episodes here on this list. We love having to listen to you guys. And from me and the boys, peace. Peace.